Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. I have to tell you something, people. I lived all those years in Burbank. I rented and I had great neighbors. Okay. So we moved back to New Jersey and Joanne owns a condo here. And my neighbor is batshit crazy. I'm telling you, I don't know what's wrong with her, but she has these little like ceramic babies outside her front window ledge when you walk by, which makes no sense. She has two dogs, which are nice dogs, but she never cleans up after them. And I look out the window and I see them going to the bathroom. And the only time she cleans up after them is when I sit there and I am grilling, and she hears me out there, and she gets this big shovel and makes a production that she's cleaning up after him. And now, just recently, she has sat there, and she starts playing video games at 11.30 at night, and her bedroom is right next to ours, because you know how the condos, they all line up. And I hear this loud bass, and it's unbelievable. I lived for years in Burbank. I lived next to these senior homes where you hear ambulances. I would sleep great, but now... I'm going batshit crazy in the suburbs of New Jersey. Anyway, we have a great show today. We have a gentleman who's uh, who's been acting. It's weird. I've read he's been acting since he was like six, and that amazes me. And my guest is uh, Seamus Dever. How you doing, Seamus? Good. How are you today, Steve? Good. I, I was reading that. You, I read something that you started acting when you were six? Yeah, I started doing uh, theater as a, a, a young little guy. <laughs> and uh, um, it was kind of one of these things that whenever they needed... Um, a kid in the high school productions because um, there was inevitably children in things like Cat on a Hot Tin Roof and Alice in Wonderland and a bunch of musicals like Annie and things like that, uh, that whenever they did that, they would um, they would get the kids of the high school teachers. Um, my parents were high school teachers um, in, in Bullhead City, Arizona. And so, yeah, that's when it, that's how I got exposed to it. It was like, all right, go up on stage and do some singing. And and, uh, and that was my first experience. Yeah, six years old. Well, I read, now your father was a drama teacher and your mom was a history teacher. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. Okay, so so as did they encourage you as a young child or because your father taught it and you would see it as a little kid, did you somehow get attracted to it? Yeah, they, they were always kind of involved in the arts and in theater. I know they did some things in college. Uh, my dad is a wonderful scenic designer. Um, and then later a drama teacher, uh, and he did a lot of uh, set building and, and tech stuff in college. So they were always involved in the theater, and and that was it was just something that was very natural. They never discouraged me; they just kept encouraging me. And uh, it was sort of the opposite of most people's stories, where my parents were kind of happy at, at what I was pursuing in life, which is weird. But uh, yeah, it, it actually happened. So you're you're six. You're doing this, and are you are you enjoying it? I mean, or, or are you getting stage fright? Because I always think, you know, when I used I used to do stand up Philadelphia, uh, stand up comedy in Philadelphia, I occasionally still do it. But we had kids would show up with like fifteen or sixteen, and they had no fear. Like you know, as you get older, you're worried about you know, is the crowd going to laugh? And that when you're young, you don't you don't have fear. What was it like for a little Seamus getting on stage? Did you just go and try to command the stage, or did you just say, I'm here to do this part, and that's it? Well, it's all play. I mean, it's all just playing at, at, a, at a certain level. And I think it's when you, you fail enough and you think about the consequences. It's, it's kind of that thing when, when, you, uh, when you get to the point of like, oh, wow, I didn't get a part. Or, oh, my God, someone said I sucked. Or some critic said that, that, you, that the idea of, I think, stage fright actually happens. You're like, oh, because what if I fail? What if I do those things? But when you're a kid, it's just play. 
you know, you're just, you're just playing and you're just enjoying having a good time. And a lot of times there were other kids up there with me. So it just felt like a natural extension of any other class that I was in. Um, you just happen to be doing it in front of a couple hundred people. Now, as you're getting older, you moved to junior high and high school. Are you still interested in acting or are you getting, you know, interested in sports or what was your focus as you were starting to get older? I did a little bit of everything, but I was always, I stayed with it. Uh, uh, did a lot of choir, uh, growing up and they those where I grew up that was kind of the theater was sort of like being in choir because they do the the holiday kind of pageants <laughs> and concerts and there was inevitably some form of acting involved in that uh, and then there were professional companies that would come into town and they'd need kids so I would start doing that I think I, I did my first professional actually equity play when I was uh, 11 and so that became part of the thing. I just it was something I always did. And yes, I did all the sports and all these other things. Um, I kind of thought of myself a really good basketball player and I had to come to a, a <laughs> certain realization at, at one point in my life and actually just focus on theater and, uh, and acting. But yeah, I just kept with it. I just kept doing it and had a nice, well-rounded uh, childhood otherwise with, with sports and uh, arts and school. Now, you were your valedictorian. Is that, is that am I correct? Yeah, yeah, of my high school. So, so you you have good grades. You probably scored well in your SATs. I'm just guessing. No, I did terrible. I tested so awfully, oh. but I, I had okay scores. I didn't have. They didn't match my my GPA. That's for sure. Um, I was kind of disappointed at myself. I guess I don't test very well. Um, but yeah, no, I did. I had it awful. I think I got a 1200 on the SAT. That's still, um, that's not, still good. Yeah, but what's perfect is in the 1600. So, you know, it's like, it's like, okay, this doesn't make any sense, but you know, yeah. <laughs> so, so when it's time for you to go to college, what was your, were you planning to go as a theater major when you go to your understudy? Cause I know you went to uh, Northern Arizona, I believe. What was your, mm -hmm. ma what was your major when you were going there? I was a theater major and I, I, I was a dual major in uh, theater and, and broadcast journalism. I kind of still fancied the idea of what it would be like being a newscaster uh, and so I, I pursued both of those, thinking that well, one will one will choose for me, and uh, and I, I but I but I mostly stuck in the theater department uh, because it demanded so much of my time, <laughs> as it does. Theater will suck up your in every minute of your life if you let it. <laughs> well, it's amazing because now you went on to get did, now when you graduated college, is that when you went straight to get your MFA? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, graduated. I finished college in uh, three years at NAU, uh, and then I went on to grad school right after that. I was lucky enough to get accepted as a 20-year-old um, to a, a grad program, um, uh, Carnegie Mellon and the Moscow Art Theater, now, and so it's crazy. Now, Carnegie Mellon, you know, I mean, because I grew up near Philadelphia, but Carnegie Mellon's in Pittsburgh. I oh. never knew until I started doing this show that it was a huge acting school. I always thought it was a, it was a giant engineer school, but it's it's very very a prominent acting school. Was it hard yeah. for you to get in? What did you have to do? Did you have to go to audition? How did you get oh, in yeah. there? Um, yeah, 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 most people don't know. It's you're right. You're engineering, um, computer sciences, and robotics, and a lot of those things, and acting. It's actually the the oldest. Uh, the oldest theater program of colleges in the United States uh, to the oldest to offer a degree in theater. Um, a lot of people don't know that, but so it, it makes it one of the oldest ones uh, in, in anywhere, really. Uh, but yeah, it, I had to audition for it and uh, I didn't really know what I was doing. I just took a guess at what I was doing. And it happened to be this crazy program for a time there that was 
half Carnegie Mellon and half Moscow Art Theater. So uh, I found myself auditioning in front of uh, a Russian gentleman um, named Sasha Popov uh, in, in San Francisco, and this was like 1998, and uh, Elizabeth Orion, who is my wonderful, wonderful theater teacher, former head of the program at Carnegie Mellon for the undergrad. And yeah, it was this really unique program that, that um, allowed you uh, into Carnegie Mellon's world and into the Russian world of how to train actors. Now, when you say Russia, did you go to Russia or did you study a Russian yeah. program here? So you went, what was it like going to Russia back then? I mean, I know before that, I remember Ty Babylonia, who was an Olympian, was on my show. And she said she went years ago to Russia and she always felt like someone was watching her. You know, that was that was big, the big time. That was like in the 70s. What yeah. was it like when you went there and were students looked at differently because, you know, you're not tourists, you're students and you're actually giving back to their economy? Yeah, they, it was, it was different. I wasn't like, I, I didn't feel like I had to like walk with like looking over my shoulder. I was, I tried to blend in as much as possible. It's almost like a little bit of an acting exercise. You're walking down the main boulevard Tverskaya in, uh, in Moscow and you're, you're sort of trying to blend in and you're walking as fast as the Moscowites and they walk much faster than, than New Yorkers, by the way. Um, so you're just kind of keeping up with them and you're going and, uh, and you're trying to blend in. And I, I never felt like I was, I was being watched by anybody. If anything, it was sort of like we were treated with a, a little bit different level of respect because where we were going to school was a very exclusive place and everybody knew our school. Um, and everybody knew our teachers. They were the most famous actors and directors in all of Russia. And so uh, we were taught phrases to be able to get us out of any trouble if we ever got arrested <laughs> or detained. Um, it was one of those things. They, they told you to walk around with your, pa with your papers at all times. It was so stupid. So I had a copy of my passport and a copy of my visa. Um, at every minute when I was walking around, and of course my student ID that said I was a student at the Moscow Art Theater, and and eventually I just stopped carrying it because it was so stupid. I was like, I'm no, no one's ever stopping me for anything. <laughs> Nobody cares. Um, and I just blended in and, and uh, felt at home. But uh, yeah, it was it was a fantastic environment to, to go to school. It was it was still a little bit Soviet um, and not so westernized that it felt weird i mean it, it's there were still only like two mcdonald's in moscow at the time um and so it, it was it was sort of still like you could squint and you go oh yeah okay this still feels very soviet um big May Day parades lots of communists walking around and uh, it, it felt familiar enough now it, it would probably be totally different if i was there but at the time it was it was a really good time to go i heard they would pay top dollar for jeans and my friends, they always, they, my friend would go over there because he ran a travel agency and he mm -hmm. would always take Levi's and he would sell them. He'd pack like six pairs and he's like, I get amazing money for these, even though they're like crappy Levi's that I wouldn't yeah. wear. They just they wore denim. When I was there, so you'd see a lot of Levi's around and you'd go, hmm, okay, are these real Levi's <laughs> yeah. or are they not? You'd, uh, there was a CD market that was like an open air market and it was nothing but black market CDs, compact discs. And, and it was like really well burnt copies of, of the latest hits. <laughs> and you're kind of like, holy crap, these are only a dollar um, a piece. I think it was six rubles at the time. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was a wild and willy world where movies would be out in the theater and they would instantly be on the kiosks right next to the subway. They'd be like, how did you get that? Well, okay. It's black market, yeah. Now, now when you graduate, you you 
do you decide then to go to L.A.? What What is your plan? You know, you have your MFA. You've gone to a, two great schools. I mean, you know, for your MFA, but it's Carnegie Mellon and the Moscow School, which, as it says, was very highly acclaimed, so it was hard to get into. So you mm-hmm. you know you're good. I mean, in all honesty, if you sucked, you wouldn't have gotten into these schools. What are your plans when you get out of college? Do you say, I want to pursue theater, or do you say, I want to pursue TV and film? Well, I, I sort of said, I don't want to go to New York. Um, I don't know why. I think it because it was cold. <laughs> and I grew up in Arizona, so it was like, it, California felt a little bit closer to home, maybe a little more comfortable. And I knew they had theater out here. It's a, it's a totally different type of theater, but there still is good theater out here. It's just not quite on the level as, as far as um, quantity of uh, professional comp TV town. But regardless, I went here just sort of thinking, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to... I'm going to see what happens out here. I'd love to do film and TV. I'd love to do theater and a little bit of everything. So I didn't really have a specific niche that I was trying to shoot for. I just sort of said, well, let's see what happens. Um, you know, I was told I could be good in, in film and TV, but I didn't know anything about it. So it's like, all right, let's take a stab at it and see if that works. Now, when you first got here to L.A., what kind of jobs did you have? And did you have a hard time getting an agent? Um, I was very fortunate. I got an agent very early. I'm not a big agent, small agency. And so I was able to kind of start auditioning right away and going out there and making mistakes because that's what you do when you're young and stupid. You just make mistakes in auditioning is what I mean, not like doing crazy drugs or anything like that. What I mean is going out there and just falling on your face um, in an audition or screwing up and sort of saying, okay, uh, let's not do that again. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I had a lot of go, uh, Joe jobs as they call it. Um, out here, I worked at 1-800-DENTIST for a time, uh, for about a year. Uh, I worked at Kinko's for a couple of years. Uh, I worked as a limo driver, um, for a very brief amount of time. Uh, I taught class. I taught, I taught acting at the New York Film Academy out here in Los Angeles, and I catered. The, the catering was probably the best job because you always brought food home, and, uh, <laughs> and you could be anonymous, which is good. Um, a lot of the other ones, you couldn't be anonymous. You'd run into people you know and stuff like that. So <laughs> it was always good. The anonymous stuff was good. It's like, nope, I'm just here to carry food. I'm here to slop it down um, in the scullery. I'm, I'm here to do that. That's that's what I'm here to do. <laughs> now, when you're you're out there, how long did it take you till you started feeling you were getting your somewhat of a stride in your auditioning technique? I mean, how did mm. it did it take a lot of? I mean, I know a guy who did 149 commercial auditions, didn't nail one, and then he got like 15 nationals in like a year and a half. So it took him a long time, a lot of auditions. How long was it taking you until you started really feeling comfortable? Because you're you're a trained actor, you're used to being on stage, and it's a lot different when you go into a commercial or a, a you know if you whatever they're putting you send you yeah. things saying, hey, okay, here, just read read this uh, three lines. You know, how long till you felt like you were getting your stride? That you felt like you could use your the stuff that you knew and had honed in in, in school. Yeah, well, let me just say this: I I think I. I've never felt like I know exactly what an audition is about. Um, and I, I don't think I, I've never gotten to that point. Maybe some people do. Um, but but feeling but feeling like I know what I'm doing, <laughs> feeling comfortable is a different thing. But but it, and let me get this straight. It never feels like acting when you're auditioning. Um, I, I think, sure, they got to figure out a way to, to get people jobs and how to choose the right people for for um, acting jobs. But it's not acting. It's it's this whole other weird beast where you're doing something once 
Whereas if you're on set, you're rehearsing something a couple times. You're able to talk to a director before you start. You're able to run through lines with another actor before you start. Um, commercial auditions, forget about it. That doesn't feel like acting at all. That feels just like a little blurp, and then you're done, and you're out the door, and you go, what was that? Did I do well? I have no idea. Um, you know, it's it's sort of like, have I become a little bit more comfortable? Yeah. I mean, it goes in waves, and then I'm, like, super uncomfortable um, with the way the audition, and you try to just let it roll off you and move on to the next one. Um, I, got, I got something coming up in a couple hours uh, for an audition, and I, I think I have an, a handle on it, but you never quite know. Um, what's going to be expected and, and what it's going to be like. and But I, I'm going to guarantee that it doesn't feel like acting. <laughs> it is. Now, now, do you, in this day and age, do, if, do you feel that self-taping is easier for being feeling more like acting than going into a room with a bunch of people who are just staring at you? Self-taping is... is uh, there's good and bad. There's good and bad with both ways. Um, the old school way of being in front of a director, I can name a dozen times where I got a part based on getting direction from a director in the room. Um, you do something, you take a stab at it, you see if it's right. The director goes, okay, let me give you some adjustment. Let me give you some direction, some actual work. And then the director goes, uh, director goes oh, great, great. And I, I can name the times and you see this glint in this director's eye that like, oh, he really liked me. Um, now it's, it, the, the positive part about self-taping is that you can, you can choose the quality. You can take a look at it afterwards. You can choose the best take. Um, you can make sure that it's done in the best way possible, that it has the best sound, the best light, um, the best camera, so that you look good. Um, and, and the controls on that are fantastic, and the quality control, I guess, is fantastic. But the human element is gone. You know, they're casting something off of a thumbnail. Um, they click on that thumbnail. They might be on set watching on an iPad. I've seen it on Castle, how, they, how a director will choose a part because they don't really bring the directors into the sessions anymore. They put stuff on tape for the producers or directors. A lot of times, it's the producers who cast it, um, who aren't even in the, the room. They cast something, they show up, the director introduced himself to the actor the first day. And you go, holy crap, you're just meeting now? You weren't in the audition? They're like, oh, no, no, no time. We were prepping the episode. And you're like, oh, wow, this business has really, really changed. Um, and none of that is like old man, get off my lawn stuff. It's just like, okay, well, you got to be prepared and, and sort of say you're not going to get the feedback. And you, you hope that they watch these tapes. Sometimes they might just be watching these, just having all these tapes as insurance in case their first choice bails out. You can't be in control of that and you can't take it personally. And that's the best you can do. But it, it, the game has definitely changed. I, I feel like I, I went away on Castle for eight years and I was, I don't know, on some desert island um, where maybe some people were watching our show, maybe some people weren't. And uh, then I came out and the, like just the entire game has changed and like you can kind of recognize what Hollywood looks like, but but it, it, new buildings are here and there, new casting directors who weren't even in the business when you started Castle, you know, stuff like that. So I'm kind of, you know, still getting my footing and still meeting people, which is crazy because I've been out here for 20 years now. Well, when you started, you know, in, in the early 2000s and breaking through the middle 2000s, you started getting a lot of work. You know, I look at your IMDb and you were getting work on good shows. What mm -hmm. kind of roles were you getting called for? Were, they, were you sitting there because, you know, you're, you're and then, you know, you're a younger, you know, you're a good looking guy. Were you getting called for lawyers? What, what, what were your roles when you were younger? What were you getting called for in when you well, started booking those shows like JAG and CSI mm -hmm. and Without a Trace? Well, the uh, the Jerry Bruckheimer uh, shows were always very good to me. I, I think I I think I've done nine of them. 
Um, <laughs> and so I was always playing a bad guy. I was my, my typical part was a guy probably in a suit um, who was some sort of professional, uh, usually a business person who was the last person to have sex with the person who was now dead with the Vic. That was kind of my meat and potatoes, I guess, there for a while, because it seemed like I just played the same dude. Um, I did get to play a lawyer once. That was great. Uh, played a yeah, soldier on, on JAG. Uh, played a couple dirty cops. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And, um, <laughs> yeah, that was kind of what I did. I played a junkie uh, without a trace. Uh, I looked pretty awesome. Um, and, and that was a lot of fun. But yeah, it was it was different. But usually, uh, some sort of dirtbag, some sort of sleazebag, uh, cocky jerk, who you couldn't wait to to get, you know, to throw him in jail. That was kind of what I did. Who did you play in Cold Case? I love Cold Case. I remember this is no lie. I was watching Cold Case one night, and I was it was like there was three episodes in a row, mm-hmm. and Reed Diamond, who's been on the show. Mm-hmm. Killed someone in the episode, and Robert Romanus, who's been on my show, killed someone. And I was like, "This is great! All my past guests are the ones you never thought was going to kill somebody." What was yeah. your role? Do you remember Cold Case? Did you kill anybody? Oh yeah, no. Um, it was set up as if I was the guy. Um, it was set up as if I was the guy who was dead. Okay. Um, and it was, you know, obviously a cold case. Uh, it was, it was one of the best, it was probably the best guest star I did in my, my first 10 years out here in Hollywood because they gave me so much to do. Um, again, that was one of the ones where I was auditioning in the room and the director, a uh, really good director named Alex Zakrewski, who did a bunch of, uh, episodes of Oz at the time. Um, he, he gave me some direction in the room and, uh, and I, I got the part. And it was originally a different part than the one I auditioned for. And uh, so I got basically this guest lead to, to do on Cold Case, and it was fun. I worked more days than the regulars. That was pretty common on, on Cold Case where you'd sort of, if it was your story, which it was. So I was the dead guy. And the flip of it is at the end is like I lived happily ever after and changed my identity um, and kind of went out into the world and assumed someone else's identity. But uh yeah, that was that was the part of it. But no, I and it was great. It took place. All of my stuff was in the '60s. Uh, there was they they licensed I think eight Johnny Cash songs. They spent some money on this episode. It was it was season two, episode four. If anybody wants to check it out on Netflix or whatever, but uh, it was called The House, and it was kind of all based on a prison break um, on the night of uh, a Johnny Cash concert uh, at Folsom, and uh, so I I break out and they they find my dead body in a tunnel. Um, and they try to figure out what that's all about, but yeah, it was fun. It was great. It was cool. We, we it was a period stuff. It looked it looked badass. Um, I got to rappel up a wall to escape. I got to do so much cool stuff um, in that one. A lot of fun. Now, as you're, you're getting these parts, are you also getting any any pilots? Were you lucky in getting the a few pilots, or how was it when you're getting these guest star spots in these good shows that people are watching everywhere? So casting directors probably know you. Did you get any? Uh, any pilots? Not very much. Um, my pilot game is uh, pretty weak, I think. Um, <laughs> I'm usually the guy that replaces somebody, and uh, they go, they go. Oh, we should have gone with Seamus in the first place. <laughs> That's kind of the way it is. I, I maybe don't have the most sexy profile of. of I'm not tall um, as some of these leading men are, um, and so I'm, I'm usually somebody's second choice. It should be the name of my autobiography. Um, <laughs> you're everybody's favorite second choice. And uh, when I do it, I prove myself, but you know, it's, it's one of those things I've, I've done. Yeah. A few pilots, a few guest stars on those things. 
uh, Castle was already picked up the series when I was in there, and I, I kind of was part of recasting, although not really. It was a brand new role, um, but it was already they had already shot the pilot, and I, I was I was sort of this choice to get matched up with John Huertas. They wanted somebody who was kind of equal footing and height with him and everything, and, and that would be a good pairing for him. And uh, that was it, yeah, the, for that. But I had only done, I think, one or two pilots uh, beforehand. Pilot season's always really sucked for me. It's always been this very strange time period where, yeah, I've, I've tested for a few pilots, but never actually um, got them and then, like, shot them and then sat there with my fingers crossed till early May. <laughs> I've never had that. Um, I've had success nonetheless, but it, it's never been that linear of a track for for my career that's for sure now what was it like i know you shot general hospital for what was mm -hmm. it 50 45 episodes which i guess is mm -hmm. you know how did that role come about and i talked to many actors that say soap operas are really hard because it's you're, you have to learn that stuff like overnight it's not like mm -hmm. you have a week how did you end up on the soap opera was it something you looked forward to or as a trained actor did you think it's work um you know, the best part about the soap operas is I was able to, um, I got it right before, I got it in November, um, and the best part of that was I didn't have to cater um, Christmas parties that year, because <laughs> I was working in catering at that time, and I was like, oh, it's a slog, every night there was a Christmas party, usually on a boat or on a sound stage somewhere, um, and I'm, you know, serving salmon to to some actor that i just worked with the week before on some crime show uh that was usually what it was so the, that was the best part i was like oh you mean i, I have a part when i'm going to be going on a couple times a week oh oh great yeah I, I don't have to cater oh awesome that's great i'll just focus on this um but i again i had i had tested for general hospital i had auditioned many times for G, for gh i wasn't really one of those snob people so sort of like well let's let's see what happens it's uh it looks like it's some good money and see what happens. So I tested for a part a couple years prior to that, like three or four years. And I think I was, again, second choice, didn't get the part, went to somebody else. Um, and then a couple of years later, I tested for uh, another part, didn't get that, went to somebody else. And then, uh, and then they just wrote a part for me. And they said, we're going to offer this to Seamus. And so they had kept me in mind that they really liked me, but they maybe felt like they had to create something for me rather than make me play something else. And so they offered that part to me and it was uh, Dr. Ian Devlin. And it, it just so happened that it happened during the writer's strike. So the whole thing, I was on for five months on that show and it was all during the three months of the writer's strike, four months of the writer's strike. Um, and it just kept continuing and then eventually, yeah, they, they killed me off, but I had a great time at it. It, it is a lot of preparation. Uh, but I, I I like working that hard on 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 my acting. I like working on on that sort of stuff. And and if you give an actor uh, like myself some independence about something, and go here you go. We're gonna throw you all these pages here, twenty pages a day. Boom, go. You go. All right, that's a challenge. Let's do this. And I'm gonna be ready when I show up, and I'm gonna take a stab at it and go out swinging. And uh, it was a lot of fun. I, I had a great time on that show. And you played a doctor, and then you played another doctor on Army's Wife. So you went from playing the bad guy to playing doctors. Yeah, sometime around in my early 30s, like things pivoted and I, I started playing doctors and professionals and good guys. Um, there was sort of this, this flip that happened. And now people like can't imagine me playing bad guys, but that's uh, <laughs> um, what I used to do. Uh, and yeah, that, that kind of happened around that time in Army Wives. I played a, a good doctor 
this time. Um, and and I, I, I had a great time out there in, in South Carolina filming that with that group um, and played a really good character. People still recognize me from that. They're like, oh, Army Wives. Oh, my God. You're the motorcycle motorcycle doctor. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, that's a cool that's a cool title. That's a good that's another good name for a biography. The, the motorcycle, motorcycle doctor. doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now you did you did Mad Men. What was your experience with Mad Men? Because I've heard that's just you know you you can't really you only get what you're part of the script and it's very secretive. Um, this wasn't the case for that. They might have instituted that later when they got obsessed with secrecy. Shows sometimes do that. Um, and I, I certainly do understand the need for secrecy and, and not letting spoilers out. But at this time, it was I did the first episode of the second season. So we had a big table read. I had access to the full script. Um, and I caught up on all the episodes of Mad Men before I shot it. Um, and it was my favorite show at the time. So I was like, oh, this is great. I, I, um, I, I really should have auditioned for the pilot. I, I really was like, oh, man, I'm, I, I love playing period things, and and, and um, it's kind of this weird thing where where I do really well in different time periods. Maybe I'm from a different time period. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, and so so playing uh, a character in that it was great. It was um it was fun because I got to experience all their energy of coming back for their first table read uh, after after they they hadn't seen each other for a couple months. Um, because the the show they wrapped the show they did their first what ten twelve episodes of their season one and then it became this big hit and everyone's like oh my god Mad Men Mad Men so seeing them all kind of converge together at the first table reading was pretty cool um, and seeing that energy all the you know Lionsgate was there who produced it and AMC was there at the table and everyone was pretty proud of the show that they had grown into a hit and Matt Weiner was there and he was. He was very complimentary of me, and uh, so it was like, yeah, okay, this is this is a cool time to kind of be a fly on the wall and, and see what this world is like being part of something that everybody's talking about. It's it pretty cool. Now, when you're an actor going into, as you said, it was your favorite show, mm-hmm. do you put a little extra pressure on yourself because it is your favorite show and you're somewhat going, man, I'm in my favorite show? That doesn't happen to a lot of people. Um, you could, but then I think you're focusing on the wrong things and then that's able to just get you nervous and geeked up and stupid. So I, I, I try not to do those sorts of things of like, you know, like it, and it's really weird because you go to that one set and all the sets seem the same. It's not like, it's not like, Oh, this set is, I don't know, clad in gold. Oh my God. They're doing, you know, you do a big movie and there's movie stars around and you're like, Oh, this set's totally different. Like, no, there's a couple guys and gals sitting around a table or standing and, and they're on location and there's a couple cameras and the crew all looks the same. They're, Hey, look, they're all in black and shorts and, and they're walking around and yeah, this feels, every set feels the same. It's, (laughs) it's, it's, it's hard to really comprehend until you go from one to the other, but you're like, there's really no difference between a huge movie and, you know, a small TV show. Uh, they're, they're kind of all the same. And, and so it's, it's really hard to kind of do that. Now, if you, you stop back and you, you sit back and you kind of go, Oh my God, I'm, I'm doing a scene with Adrian Brody. Oh my God, he 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 had an Academy Award. You know, oh oh, you know, I'm I'm going to get all myself upset. Then you, then you may be focusing on the wrong thing. Right. <laughs> and that's liable to get you in trouble down the road. So I try not to do that. Work is work. Actors are actors. Most actors who are who are good and intelligent are open to the experience and uh, and and have a good time with you. And that's what you have to make yourself available uh, to and for. Now you said you weren't in the pilot of Castle. 
And so when did you get the call for Castle? And you said it was already picked up for the season. Were you a regular right off the bat? And did you have to audition a few times? Yeah, the part was a, a regular. It was a very strange process because most of the time they do this weird thing. And television is kind of changing, thankfully, for this. So you, you test for a show and they put you in a room, usually uh, um, a screening room in a theater. And then they bring in all these executives who don't want to be there. And, and they're all hanging out, executives who will never show up to the set, by the way. And you may never meet, um, but they're all there, and they're sitting there in a, in, a, in a theater, and you're playing this scene, and it's probably an intimate scene between you and one other person, and, and you're reading with someone four feet away, and you have to pretend like you're in theater all of a sudden, even though the whole thing's going to be filmed, um, and, you know, intimate and everything. Now they're starting to change the screen tests, like the old school screen test, which I think is smarter. Um, where they, they actually put you in another actor and they film you like it was your close-up. And then they look at the tapes later. Um, but this was the old-school way of you're in a room, there's 20 people in there, you try to make eye contact and say hi to everybody. And there was like five or six other dudes auditioning for this role. Um, and I, I knew all of them, and a bunch of them were series regulars and people I'd seen on a bunch of TV shows. And uh, so i go in there and... Uh, uh, my test for Castle was supposed to be a chemistry read with, with John Huertas, and, and John hadn't finalized his contract, so John did not show up to the chemistry read with John Huertas. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so it was just me reading with a, um, a, a reader, um, uh, a very nice guy named Eric, who I'm friends with. And he was there, and I knew the casting directors, they were there, and then there were a bunch of execs who I didn't know, uh, meeting for the first time, and, and I read the scene once, I was nervous, I think I screwed up the lines. Uh, Rob Bowman, who's a wonderful director, said, uh, let's do it again right away, um, which is kind of his thing, and I was very thankful he did, because I think, okay, shake out the nerves. Um, and an old acting teacher of mine used to do that as well, she's like, um, Liz Orion, who I mentioned, mentioned earlier, she's like, okay, now you've done it once, do it, do it again. Now we've done the nerves are out of the way, and you're kind of like, oh yeah, she's right. You do it once, and the second time you do it, um, you're kind of like, oh yeah, I'm loose. I did it. It's fine. Now we can play. And so I did it again. Uh, I made a bunch of them laugh uh, with some of the stuff that was in there. I kind of got the tone of Castle, uh, which was good because I think a lot of people played it very serious. And I was like, well, no, these this is clearly like these guys joking around. I had seen the pilot presentation. Um, with Nathan Fillion in there, and I realized, and, and uh, John Huertas in there, and I realized that these were not Law and Order cops. These were different cops. These were cops that were allowed to make jokes and have fun with the other cops. So, so there was some humor in it, and uh, I think I I, I latched onto that that tone, and they liked that. Um, and so then I left, and and that was really about it. Uh, you, I didn't test. It was no no test. Uh, and they, they, they sent me a, a deal, and um, it was embarrassingly low for the money. <laughs> and uh, so we spent like three weeks negotiating something that was r remotely close to what I should have been being paid, and, and we got to it. And then like two days later, we started filming. It was crazy. Um, and that, that's how Castle came about for me. Now, what's it like as an actor, when even though it was low and then you got what was reasonable, when you sit there and you see the figure and you're sitting there going, now, you know, your life's going to change a little bit just for the fact that, you know, no more catering for you. I mean, <laughs> I mean, even though you didn't have to do it through General Hospital, but what's it like in that first season? And did you think you would get picked up for a second season when you're on the first season? I think you you kind of bolster your mind with this idea that there might not be any more. And I hope you enjoyed these 
10 episodes because we were a mid-season show. Um, I hope you enjoyed these 10 episodes because there might not be any more at this point. I hope people like it, but most of the time you're shooting into the dark. I mean, and you really can't trust people saying like, oh, we're getting really good feedback from the testing. The pilot tested well, blah, 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 all these people saying you can't really believe that stuff. You kind of have to go, well, this was really nice and we had a fun time. Uh, I hope we get to do some more, but um, I'm, I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to do anything more than cross my fingers and hope that it happens. So it's tricky, and uh, and that was what you kind of did. And, and so you save your money, and you go, okay, this might have to last me for a while. Uh, I was kind of used to that gypsy actor existence, and still am, really, where I, I don't spend a lot of money. And it's not like we bought a house right away. Me and my wife, we saved our money. We paid down our, our credit card bills, um, and we stocked we stocked a bunch of way and we, we prepared for the lean times. That's kind of what you have to do as an actor. Um, so it never really felt like a success. Um, I mean, even when you're buying houses and new cars and finally doing that, I had a Mustang for 10 years, um, and that I had paid off. And so I was like, I'm not buying this. I'm not buying a new car. And, right. um, <laughs> you, you feel uncomfortable with this idea of like, well, I, I can't spend any money because it's, uh, yeah, I never know when the next paycheck's coming. So, um, yeah, it still never gets to that point, at least for me. Um, it gets a little less desperate as you get older, I think, but mostly you kind of go, all right, well, might be a while guys. So, uh, this was fun. <laughs> now when you're, when you're on Castle, though, then it started getting picking up. My girlfriend watched it from the beginning and then I, I actually, I started dating her when the show was already on and then she, mm-hmm. she turned me onto it and I, and I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I thought the chemistry was all good. I thought you guys were, a, a, you were a good compliment. You know, you were just, it was, it's one of those things you watched and it's one that, you know, as you said, it's not a law and order where you're sitting there and you're going to be intense. This, yeah. you know, someone's going to die. Someone's, but you're not sitting there going, "Oh my God, what the," you know. And it was good yeah. like that. Now, so it gets keeps getting picked up. How is your life changing? Are people starting to recognize you because it it was, you know, it started getting good ratings. I'm not sure what season, but it was it was on for about seven seasons, so it was a popular show. At what point do you start seeing that people start recognizing you more? Not from Army Wives anymore, and not from the soap operas. But when do people start recognizing you as a character because you are on a top show? Um, it, it, you know, I think it started about, you know, in the first season. People would recognize me from General Hospital. And I, I usually, okay, so mostly at Midwestern airports is where I get recognized. <laughs> I get recognized at O'Hare. Um, I get recognized in Milwaukee. I, I get recognized in Detroit. Um, in Pittsburgh, I get recognized. Uh, I, I don't know. I, geez, you know, I'd love to say that people watch Castle in, in New York and in Los Angeles, but I'm not convinced of that. I think the rest of the country was watching, uh, was watching Castle. Uh, but yeah, it did start happening fairly soon on. People would recognize like, oh, they'd go, they'd go wait a minute, Castle, right? <laughs> And you go, yeah, yeah, you know that they, they don't know my name or they don't know my character, um, but they go, eh, Castle, right? And I'm like, yeah, oh, we love that show. It's so good. It's so funny. And, uh, and and I always make a point of of shaking someone's hand, asking their name, introducing myself. It's kind of just a, I don't know, maybe Midwestern courtesy that I grew up with. And it's like, okay, you do that. You, you say hi and you make connection with people. But um, it did start happening, and it's kind of cool. It still happens uh, around and about in Midwestern airports, as I say. And, um, <laughs> but it, it's pretty interesting to, to sort of this little thing that we did at, at the, on a soundstage in, in Hollywood, uh, is now throughout the world. Uh, I was 
uh, someone was asking for directions to uh, to something the other day in Hollywood, and it was it was a tourist, and I stopped and I said, oh yeah, let me let me tell you how to get there, and you know some Italian tourists, and they recognized me, and like wait a minute, Gasso. Oh, I have that picture of Seamus. Oh, good, Seamus Deborah, right? Kevin Ryan. I'm like, oh my God, wow, they know everything. So, like worldwide, it's happening now, and um, and it's it's really crazy that you know one in ten people in France were were watching Castle, uh, might still be watching it. I don't know. Um, and countries like Spain and Germany, a lot of people know who I am over there. That's weird, uh, <laughs> but um, I'm getting used to it, I guess. Well, now, now as the series is going on, you're getting picked up again, and I guess you know it's doing well. You're getting picked up again. How is it on the set? Because it must be great because everyone knows you're going to get, you know, in the early years you're going to get picked up again. You're working with a crew who you've worked with. It's probably starts becoming like a family. I mean, mm-hmm. how comfortable do you get when you know when you're on season? three and then going on to four is it is it you know you're an actor so you're going to always go and deliver but you and like john must have just known each other's moves you know just the the how you guys would talk and just probably felt so comfortable for an actor that must be a great feeling yeah i mean working anywhere we're not used to that as an act as actors or artists at all working someplace for a long time so getting to know the rhythm of the show getting to know all the crew members crew members families getting to know your fellow actors spending 13 to 14 hours a day with uh john huertas nathan fillion stonicotic you know getting to know them uh yeah that's uh that that's a, a whole level of comfortability where where then you can start building something together and and really working together it was very collaborative we'd have lots of discussions it wasn't just show up and say your lines um we 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 put a lot into it and we wanted to make it fun and funny and clever and interesting and we wanted to discuss the work and so it, it reached that level where's i i've been on a lot of shows and and it's nine times out of ten not like that um, you know, where you're actually talking about the work, you're talking about the beats, you're talking about story, you're getting into it. Uh, a lot of times people just come and park and bark and as they say, and, uh, and just go home after that point. So, um, it was very comfortable and it was a great place to work. And a lot of times it was just, yeah, the longevity you're, you're, you're saying, wow, I know these people pretty well. Um, and, and they're going to, they have my back and I have their back. And that, that was what Castle was like. Now, how would you act to the, to to the, guest stars i've heard different stories you know because i've had i have a lot of characters on my show and everyone mm-hmm. says like if you go into ncis mark Harmon is a god they said he's just he's the a, nicest a, nicest guy like they go this guy if everyone was like him hollywood would be amazing but then yeah. some people say they go on and sometimes the guy's a little bit of a jerk as someone who was coming as a character actor did you sort of go out of your way to be nice to someone who's coming in because you know what it's like to just go on for that week because it is it's like that kid who just transferred to a new school you know it's like they're they they feel a little out of place yeah oh yeah for sure i i i still i, I know what that feeling is like walking onto a set and it feels like first day at school you feel like odd person out you feel like you're jumping on a moving train <laughs> whatever metaphor you want to use yeah it all feels like that and it's very easy to feel alienated and, and as an outsider um and i've been on some really cold sets where the leads don't introduce themselves to you and you kind of go oh all right and uh so knowing that that's what it's like i was always and and just i look i'm just a i'm a nice person so i i, I want people to feel like they're at home and, and they're able to do their best because nobody feels like you're able to do good work if you feel uncomfortable about speaking out um, if you need another take, 
if you don't understand something, if you screw up a line, you're not going to get fired. You know, but but you do have that feeling as a guest star, like, oh my god, I totally screwed that up. I'm so sorry, guys. Can we go again? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm gonna get fired. <laughs> and, and and you have patience, and you sit down, and you make people feel at home. Uh, I met a lot of people on Castle. That was that was one of the best parts of it was um, making friends who are guest stars and uh, people I'm still friends with to this day. People who are my friends who got the guest on Castle. That was great too. So, you know, you're kind of like, oh, I've, I've known these people from theater. I've known these people from other shows that I've done with them. My soap opera buddies would come on. It was great. It was great. And and, and I, I, yes, everyone is absolutely correct what they say about Mark Harmon. And if I may add that, Nathan Fillion. Um, he's a great uh, lead. A lot of people don't understand being a lead of a show is, is, is being the face of the show, is being in some ways like a party host you know you're here you want people to feel at home and comfortable and introduce themselves and not like they're on some foreign island and yeah nathan did a good job about being um about being that guy for everybody who comes in um who came on the castle so he's just he's just like that he's gracious and he's welcoming and, and mark Harmon, the same thing um absolutely you want people to feel good about the show you want people to feel good that where they're spending time <laughs> no nobody does their best work in fear, I think, with a gun to their head. Right. But, uh, a lot of times that's the way it operates, and it's tremendously unfair for, for somebody who's an outsider. Now, how did your wife end up being on the show? I texted him. I, was, I, I always do research on my guests, and I texted mm-hmm. Joanne, my girlfriend, yesterday. I said, the girl who played his fiance or whatever is his actual wife. And she was like, oh, my God, that's so cool. Did you have a hand in getting getting that happen, or did, did she have to go through the, the auditioning and all that stuff? Oh, she did, yeah. Um, she had auditioned for a couple roles, on the show, and the uh, um, the series creators uh, Terry Miller and Andrew Marlowe wanted they liked her and got to know her personally, and they wanted uh, through you know just us hanging out um, as friends, and they wanted her to have something that was a little bit more um, recurring, and so they they held out, and when the part of my girlfriend came around, they offered it to to Julie, and that that became part of the, the thing. I was like, oh yeah, this is a family, and. And, and, and she'd show up and jump on the, the moving train with us a couple times a season. And, and it, it progressed to she was my girlfriend, then she was my fiance, and then she was my wife. And then we had a kid, um, I think, in a burning building, outside a burning building. Yeah, that's what happened. And then we had a second kid. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it, it progressed. It was, a, it was eight years of that, um, building that life and everything and, and uh, building that character. And, and she, was, she was a big part of that for, for my character, for sure. Now, when you find out the show is going to go off the air was it a meet did you know right away was it saying okay we're not going to do a cast any longer or was it ratings and how do you prepare yourself for that because once again you you're in a family situation you know the set you're like i mean you know the ad's and the the the, the first director and the, even the the grips and the the sound guys i mean you all become very close when what was the process of castle decided to go off the air was it just decided we're going to end it or were ratings low and they said you know we're going to end it um so i I don't know it's hard to say because the numbers did decline during season eight they were starting to go down um and you know maybe it's like i don't know franchise fatigue or something i don't know but people were start weren't watching tv live as much as they were because you know we, we we started going on in 2008 there, sorry, 2009 is when we, we first started airing, and um, and TV habits have changed. So the numbers, they didn't give a crap about DVR numbers at the beginning 
of our time on Castle. And then they started taking paying really big attention a couple years into our, our DVR numbers. And we were with some of them, we were one of the highest DVR shows in, in all of television. And, uh, and so then they started caring about things. So, so the habits had changed. And so it was hard to really get a gauge if, if, if we were losing popularity, if people were watching, if there was something going on. Um, and, uh, and we had just been on the air and outstayed our welcome, but no, it, nothing was decided internally. Um, it was all decided without, us having any contribution in any of that um things were set uh to go for the next season we were going to lose a couple characters including our second lead um there was some negative backlash to that for people um who felt like like uh was was intrinsic to uh to the story and um yeah you know, it was it was one of those things that we were all set to go. I had signed a contract for season nine, and uh, I think it was two days before ABC Upfronts, we got word that we were being canceled just like that, and we didn't we didn't have time to uh, we hadn't shot an ending. We didn't get any heads up. Um, we didn't get anything. We didn't even have a rap party. <laughs> um, it was just like we. We filmed our last day. It was just John and I on that last day of filming. And the crew, John gave a little speech because no one was saying anything and um, said about, you know, we hope to see you guys next year. And, and that was it. Uh, we, 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 got our, we got our stuff out of our trailers and we went home and we thought we would see each other in a couple months, all of us. And nope, that was, it was not to be. So it was like the opposite of what, of what the uh, expectation of the experience would be. I, I thought there would be, yes, a big wrap up, a finale, a something. Nope, none of that was planned. They had shot like an alternative ending, didn't really involve my character. Um, so my character didn't really have any wrap up um, Johns either. So it was kind of just like, here we go, that's it. Hope you liked it. Castle, eight years. <laughs> Everybody walk away. Hope you had a good time. Yeah. See, I, that's, that's so, that's so, that depresses you because you, you said everyone, sometimes when you lasted that long and people do get close. So, yeah. so when it goes off, you know, you've done well. You've had, you know, eight years on a show uh, since syndication. So you're, you know, you're doing okay financially. What is your goal then as an actor when you sit there and you get when you that when you find that you must get a little bit disenfranchised, but you know you seem like a very positive guy, so you probably said, "Oh well, you know what? I'm an actor. This is what happens." You know, plays get canceled. What did you want? To, did you want to take some time off, or what did you do? No, I wanted to do something different right away, um, and it was like let's let's do something. Let's let's just have some different experiences than what I've had for for eight years because you know it was a long season. It was ten months out of the year, uh, which left very little time in between seasons to do any other type of work. So I didn't. It was really hard. Nothing, things didn't line up with movies. TV didn't exist in that in that time frame. You know, uh, in between um, early May and uh, mid July. So it was kind of like okay, let's see what we can do. Uh, so let's go do some different experiences and, and get get involved in the theater again um, and and see what else we can do, see what other characters we can play. And so that's what it's been mostly is, is just getting to do a bunch of different stuff. Um, you know, as I said, I've done maybe 60-something plays. Um, uh, I haven't counted it up lately, but <laughs> I, I've done a lot of theater in my life, and I wanted to go back to that. So I've gotten to do some of that. Um, I played a character in a in a pretty big video game. I think it's the best selling video game of this year, if I if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I played a character in that, and it was a bad guy. And, and most people probably didn't recognize me in that because I'm playing a bad guy. 
Uh, and I've gotten to do lots of stuff like that, and I've gotten to play um, bad guys on a soup. Oh, um, I'm not going to say anymore. <laughs> uh, stuff I can't talk about. I've gotten to play really cool stuff. I will. I, 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 I won't bring up. The, I won't bring the title off of this show because <laughs> it, it's right here. I'm, I'm here I almost TV. gave it away. Jesus. I won't what say, but that's with me. That's uh, coming out. Uh, yeah. So I won't see the title, but it's on your IMDb, just so you know. Yeah. So people, yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. Eventually, people will figure it out, and and they'll they will watch this eventually. But for right now, um, I played a pretty cool part um, in something that's coming up, and uh, I've got to do a bunch of stuff and a bunch of guest stars here and there. And coming back and getting to dip my toe into that world again, so it's it's uh, it's been a lot of fun doing different things, and that's been my goal, sort of seeing like over out for for Seamus Dever at this point. What would people like to see me do? What do they want to hire me um, uh, to do now in my life? What do you want to do? I mean, like what roles? Because you said you know you went from in the beginning you were the bad guy and the swarmy guy, then you were the doctor, then you were a nice cop, you were you were a nice guy on Castle. I mean, you're. No one, everyone liked you. I mean, I don't think people went, oh, we hate his character because you were a nice guy. What kind yeah. of roles would you like to play? Like if someone said, okay, you know, let's say a TV series that, you know, if someone said, you know, a lot, a show, what kind of role would you want to be if you were a regular on another TV show? Um, geez, like, a, like, I want to, I want to play, I, I would love to play some, someone that's a, um, hugely compromised person, <laughs> uh, that they, they, they seem like they're one thing, but then they're another thing. Um, that's probably the most interesting kind of roles that I like. Um, I don't, I, the heroes are fine, but like heroes who don't have any flaws are not fun, um, because they're just heroes. They are what they are. So, you know, that it's, you see a lot of those kind of characters, um, and, uh, and and I'd like to play the, the the compromised version of that. Someone who who does one thing and maybe looks like one thing, but he's maybe got a secret. But maybe he's a little darker, a little edgier than you think. Um, to just kind of play against type, and uh, and I could do those sorts of things. But as far as like dream of like I'd like to play this thing in an adaptation, I don't really have that anymore. Um, my my biggest dream is is really something I've had since I was a little kid, and I'd, I'd like to do a play on Broadway. Um, I'd like to do some New York theater. I'd like to do some things like that. That's that's probably my biggest as as far as dream is is doing something. And I've come close on a few things, but but nothing has hit yet. Um, I think people still are, are getting to know the fact that I'm 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 a theater actor, and I, I've been doing that for most of my life. So that as far as dreams, that's that's probably the next challenge is is getting to that. Have you had any calls for sitcoms? Because your character on was on Castle, you guys were light. You were a co- little bit of comic relief. Has that been, have you gotten any auditions for that or do people consider you uh, our drama guy? I think people do consider me like an our drama guy, um, which is, yeah, you're right. It, uh, there was some lightness, but it was it was treated a little different. It wasn't always joke, 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 or uh, set up joke, set up joke, set up, set up, set up joke. Um, you know, <laughs> and and I do know that world, but I don't, I've, I've had a few um, not great success uh, at getting getting far in those things. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I give it a shot, and I, I, I see what I can do. Um, and uh, and and that's really all I can be in control of is, is sort of like doing my best with, in those circumstances. <laughs> but I've tried. It just it hasn't succeeded. I've uh, <laughs> never done a half hour. It just has not happened for me. Well, you know, I want to I thank you for taking the time to, to come on today. 
As I said, it's so funny when I told my girlfriend you were going to be on. She was all excited because she she's loved Castle from day one. She mm. she actually even did some background work on Castle, and she told me oh, she, yeah? she was talking to a, a uh, one of the PAs, and they said there used to be like these huge group of girls that would show up to see Nathan Fillion. Like he had like a fan club. She, the girl said the people would just show up. These girls would find out where the shooting was, the shoot, we're shooting, and they would just show up, which cracked me up. To be fair, they showed up for all of us because <laughs> they were there even when Nathan had the day off. Um, no, they, they they were just big fans of the show. Yes, they they were uh, tried and true fans of the show. They showed up to some very dangerous locations and waited to say hi to us um, on very hot days, on very cold rainy days. Um, they were they really wanted to um, to to let us know that how much they appreciated the show. And they, they were amazing. I, I still am in touch with a lot of them. And I've become friends with some of them because they, they show up to a lot of the other projects that I do. Um, I, I do a lot of radio plays and things like that. And I, I get to see some some folks, some old faces from uh, from back in the day uh, on the Castle Days. But yeah, they, 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 they loved us and they, they wanted to be part of the world. They come from all around the world. And they just show up day after day after day and um, watch us film, watch us walk from our trailer to the set, you know, stuff like that. Watch us get out of a van and uh, and, and then just to say hi to us. So they, they were lovely. They were one of the best parts of that whole filming. Well, that's awesome. I want to thank you. Now, what's your Twitter? I know you have a lot of followers. I know you tweet. I think you saw, tweeted something about blue cheese the other day. Um, what, yeah. What's your Twitter? Um, I'm just at Seamus Dever. Um, I'm trying to bring Twitter back to a light place because I can't tweet political stuff because everyone else tweets political stuff. I don't do it oh either. Oh, my God. I, I can't. Even on Facebook, my new thing now on Facebook is I'll always sit there and I'll put, you know, who who who's better, Joe Jackson, Elvis Costello, or both, or things like that because I can't take the political stuff. You know, or I say, who was a better front man? And just because I'm the same way. It's like I'll even put like broccoli, asparagus, or, you know, Peas. What's your favorite green vegetable? What's your favorite? Do a little survey, a Twitter survey. Yeah, it's it's getting to that point where it's everyone's doing. It's important to be woke and aware, but it's just it's it's everywhere. I'm just like, I remember you went on Twitter for fun. Now I get on. Now I get on Twitter and I I just I I count down the the decline of Western civilization. It's just like (laughs) it's like oh my god, can I? Oh, I'll I'll tweet something about I don't know my dishwasher. Um, I'll, I'll tweet something about blue cheese. Yeah, okay. Here's something about my dog. Um, just, just to break it up a little bit. So no. that's what I'm trying to do. Are but you... I'm at Seamus Dever on Twitter. Um, on, on Instagram, I'm at Seamus Patrick Dever. Cause someone took Damn. the Seamus Dever. Damn and so Dever. I'm at Seamus Patrick Dever. Well, I want to thank you for coming on people. So follow him, go to IMDB, go find the old cold case episode. I'm going to look for it. Cause I love it. Whenever I have guests that are on cold case or if I have guests that are on Miami vice, I always go and find those episodes. Cause they're like my two cult shows that I get addicted to. So follow Seamus, follow me. I'm at Cooper talk. That's at Cooper talk. Go to my Instagram. It's at Cooper talk one, uh, a lot of pictures of food there. Cause when I had my heart problem a few years ago, I wrote a cookbook. You can go to oh. stop It's 120 low sodium recipes. People. It's easy to make, no pictures to intimidate you, no long list of ingredients, and you can buy it on Amazon, or you can buy it from StopTheSalt.com, and I'll sign it, and I'll make money, more money. Anyway, and go to uh, www.coopertalk.net. If you want to email me, it's cooper at coopertalk.net. I'm Steve Cooper. Remember, don't forget to take your vitamins, drink your water, and you guys have a great day.